Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School's the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. The scripture says the one that is born of God is an overcomer. And uh, this is the victory that overcomes the whole world, even our faith. So whether you feel like it or not, whether you've been acting like it or not, if you're born again, you have within you the spiritual DNA, if you will, of an overcomer. And the means by which this overcoming is accomplished is faith. And faith is not this unknowable mysterious thing. Some people have it. Some people don't. We don't know why. God just gave some people a lot of faith and other people he didn't. Well, no, that's just not even true. God has given to every man, the measure, every believer, the measure of faith, a measure of faith. And then it depends on what you do with it as to whether it lies dormant and just grows weaker and weaker or whether you feed it you exercise it, and you act like the overcomer you are. Get your Bible, get something to make a note with. Come on into the classroom. Let's receive today. Father, we thank you that you are our strength. You are our, our, our power, our help, our fortress, our rock. Quicken us, Lord, and make us strong for your service. And that which we need, add to us. And bring us up in two, we pray. And we'll give you all the praise and all the acknowledgement and credit and glory. And we will give you thanks for it. And we, we will say, Lord, we are yours. Uh, we are in your service. We are yours to command. Uh, we're created for your pleasure. Uh, be pleased and your will be done in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Go with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 3 again. We're continuing our study that we are calling Overcoming Unbelief. He said in Hebrews 3 and 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Verse 10, he said, I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Verse 12, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, and exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest that any, any of you should be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Verse 15, he said it again, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Yesterday's class, we talked about how that with God, everything's about the heart. And that faith is of the heart, not of the intellect. Uh, faith is not knowledge. 
and knowledge isn't faith. Romans 10.10 says, for with the heart man believes, not the head. It's not reasoning. It's not, like we said, knowledge. And so he's cautioning us, don't let what happened to their heart happen to your heart. It was, he called evil heart of unbelief and a hardened heart. Now we've been studying 1 through 10 of those 10 events that happened with the ones he's referring to in this chapter, that first group of Israelites that he brought out of Egyptian bondage. By the 10th time of them doing this, hardening their heart, refusing to believe, actually rebelling against God, he told them after that 10th time, he said, well, okay, what you've been saying is going to happen to you. Well, sadly, what they had been saying ever since they left Egypt was that they're all going to die out there in the desert. And that's exactly what happened to them. But it wasn't God's choice for them. It wasn't his will for them. It was not his plan for them. And um, they just refused to listen to him. And this is something many have not understood. You'll hear people say, well, God is in control. What do you mean by that? If you mean that the creator has a master plan and ultimately uh, his, you know, the, his master plan will be accomplished, then yes, absolutely. But if you mean he's controlling everything that every human being is doing on the earth, no way. No. He actually has given us a free will. And so the thing is, he can accomplish his plan with you or without you. He can use somebody else. Now, he needs somebody, but it doesn't have to be you. It can be somebody else. And so that choice is not his. He has given us that choice. Well, I've made my choice. How about you? I, I don't want anybody getting my place, getting my reward. Mm -mm. Well, that's up to me that when the Lord deals with me about something, I don't argue with him. I don't wrestle with him. I don't ignore him. I obey him because I believe him. And so what we've been doing in studying these events, and eventually we'll get to the 10th one and even go past that, but um, we're seeing these characteristics of unbelief because the only way you're going to be ready to deal with it is that you identify it. And when you see it for what it is in your own life, then you can shut it down and not yield to it anymore. But if you don't even recognize it, well, you'd be yielding to it and not even realize what you're doing. So we looked at the first case, what happened at the Red Sea. We saw them yield to fear and panic. We saw at the waters of Merah, they murmured, they complained, they blamed Moses. And we see, you see some of these things just keep happening over and over again. Well, finally now, we've got to Exodus 19 where that they have arrived at Mount Sinai, or also called Horeb. So turn with me to Exodus 24, actually, because after they had arrived on, at the mount, the Lord gave them, um, gave Moses uh, instructions that lasted through a couple of these chapters here. And um, when you get to the 24th chapter, Verse 1 said, he, he said to Moses, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron and 
Nadab and Abihu and seventy of the elders of Israel and worship afar off. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, and they'll not come near. And so Moses came and told the people all the words and the judgments, and the people answered with one voice, and they said, All the words which the Lord has said, we will do. Did they do it? Have you read these stories? No, they didn't do it. But they said they would. And I think even at the time, you know, they're seeing fire (laughs) on the mountain. They've heard the voice of God speak out of the fire. I think they thought they meant it. But are there lessons here for us to learn, the New Testament says? How quickly they got past the great experience and slid right back into this hard-hearted, unbelieving mode. And what, the reason we're reading it and looking at it, for reason one, is the Bible. <laughs> How many think you should read the Bible? And you should pay attention to it. But the New Testament keeps telling us, don't let this happen to you. So, uh, verse 4, he wrote all the words and rose up early, built an altar, and he sent uh, individuals to to make sacrifices. Verse 9, Then went up Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel. And these are representing all of the hundreds of thousands of people that are down at the base of the mount. And they saw the God of Israel. Isn't this amazing? Now they didn't see his face. Uh, uh, He told Moses that, even Moses, who was interacted so closely with him, could not see his face and live. But they saw the form of God and they saw the cloud. And it said, uh, there was under his feet, as it were, paved work of sapphire stone and as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. When God came down on the mount, his whole throne came down with him. And the whole pavilion in front of him. Amazing. Amazing. One of these days, we're going to see this, class. One of these days, past this life, you and I are going to be in front of the throne. We're going to see the one who sits on the throne. And we're going to see this pavilion that's in front of him. We're going to see the winged creatures that cry, holy, holy. Holy. Hallelujah. And you talk about an experience. (laughs) There's nothing we've experienced prior to that that's going to fully compare. Are you looking forward to it? Amen. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw God and did eat and drink. And the reason he did this, he is making a covenant with them. And it was always part of making covenant that there were sacrifices and blood and then there was the covenant meal that you ate together. And so God is eating covenant meal (laughs) with Moses and Aaron and his sons, Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders representing the whole nation of Israel. Is this a serious thing to God? You know, a wonderful study, if you've never done it, is to study the scriptures on covenant. 
We live in a society and a world that you can have a thousand pages of contract and people figure a way to get out of it. And it means nothing because people's word means nothing and their commitments oftentimes mean nothing. It's only a matter of what they consider benefits them and convenience. Otherwise, they're going to break it. They're going to get out of it. Break the deal. Get out of the covenant. Get out of the agreement. Not God. Oh, hallelujah. I said not God. He is the great God, the mighty God, who keeps covenant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody say he keeps covenant. He keeps covenant. And it was so serious with him, and you can actually hear him if you read these passages here and in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, you'll see he actually pled with them, don't break my covenant, keep my statutes, and it'll be well with you. What's he saying? If you'll just keep your part, I can keep you. I can protect you. I can provide for you. I can bless you. I can prosper you. Well, believer, there is a covenant today. It's the covenant in Christ. It's the covenant between Jesus and the Father. A covenant which cannot be broken. Which will never be broken. And if we take our place in Christ, then we are in covenant with the Almighty. The same one sitting on this throne. Hallelujah. That was in the fire and the pavilion of sapphire in front. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. I am in an unbreakable covenant with the Almighty. That ought to make you happy all day. That ought to make you happy all day. Praise God. So um, he, he told them, verse 12, the Lord said, Come up to me in the mount, and I will give you tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written that you may teach them. And Moses rose up and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up to the mount of God, and he said to the elders, tarry ye here for us. You might want to underline that. (laughs) What does tarry mean? Wait. We'd say wait. Wait here for us until we come again to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you, and if any man have any matters to do, let him come to them. And so Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mountain, and the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days, and the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went up into the midst of the cloud and got him up to the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. Don't you notice again in verse 14, what did he tell them? What did he tell the elders? Wait here for us until we come again to you. So he's there now in the glory with God. In the midst of this cloud and thunderings and lightnings and the Bible said the ground was shaking like earthquake and fire like a furnace that's just blasting up into heaven off the top of this mountain off the top of God's throne an area where he's there and he personally gave to Moses statutes of righteousness and ways of doing things 
through, uh, this is chapter 24. It's recorded 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. All of this is recording what God is telling Moses and giving him to tell the people how to live, how to do things, how to worship him, how to interact with each other. And all of this started with what we call the Ten Commandments. The people heard that in God's own voice. He spoke that out loud out of the fire. Everybody heard that, the Ten Commandments. And so then, skip on down to chapter 31, 31 and 18. Is this exciting to you? (laughs) Did this really happen? It did. It did. It's astounding. And God hadn't changed at all. And uh, this has been no time for him at all since this happened. To him, this has only been a couple of days, just a few days. Because with him, a thousand years is like a day. So, you know, four, five, six thousand years wouldn't be a week for him, right? (laughs) Since this happened. Can you see that? (laughs) Now, we think it's a long time, but that's only because we're such babes. (laughs) We hadn't been around very long, but he has. And uh, in verse 18, 31, 18, he gave Moses, when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. The Bible said the tablets... God made, and the writing God personally wrote and gave them to Moses. And chapter 32, you know, if, if you read, remember we were, we were over there in 24, and if you're reading this, you kind of get caught up. Chapter 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, but that's all with Moses in the glory and power around him, talking to God and listening to God mostly and writing down, uh, scrolling down, writing down uh, everything God is giving him. Moses didn't even eat or drink. He didn't need to for 40 days because he was in so much power and glory with God. But 32 kind of slaps you back to earth reality (laughs) because the narrative goes to the rest of the people at the bottom, the base of the mountain. What's going on with them? Oh yeah, right. They're still there. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount. Now now tell me what's the last thing Moses told them. (laughs) You wait here for us until we come back. So he, ba- he told them he's coming back. Right? And what are they to do? Just wait. Do you know that uh, one of the toughest things for your flesh can be doing nothing? Huh? <laughs> doing nothing. Huh? The flesh is, is antsy. And uh, you'll see that that's what happened to them. And it said, when they saw Moses delayed to come down out of the mount. Well, now, did he tell them how long he would be? 
We have no indication that he told them that he'd be back in a week and that he's now, you know, five weeks late. Nothing like that. He, he didn't know to tell them because God didn't tell him. How long is it going to take? I guess when God gets through with me. I don't know. But you just wait and we'll be back. You wait for us till we get back. And said so the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and they said, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not, wot means no, we don't know what's become of him. Well, exactly. You don't know anything. So why, why are you ready to make this drastic, radical move? Now, friend, here we see another big characteristic of unbelief. It is impatient. Class, are you all awake? Yes. Say it out loud. Unbelief, Unbelief. Is, impatient. is impatient. It's impatient. And you'll find this strong connection between unbelief and the flesh. The flesh. To be carnally minded, fleshly minded, is death. And it sure was death for them. Before this is over, thousands of them died just within the next uh, day or two through a number of different things. And ultimately, the whole generation perished. This is seriously evil stuff, this unbelief. And the reason we take time and talk about individual characteristics is because to be uh, to know it beforehand is to be prepared and to recognize it. Have you ever felt antsy? Huh? I don't even have to wait for that answer. Do you? Have you ever been impatient and moved too quick and messed up? Yeah, all of us have. But we should learn. We should learn. We must learn to get a hold of ourselves. Right? And when you, they said, we don't know what's become of him. Exactly. You don't know anything. So shut up and sit down <laughs> and wait till you do. No, we got to do something. Get up. Get up, Aaron. We got to get us some new gods. And we got to figure this thing out. And Moses is gone. And we got to do something else. And another thing that you see here is, read the next verse. Aaron said to them, well, uh, break off your gold earrings that's in the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. Huh? What? Where'd this come from? I need all your jewelry. What? Now, uh, let, let's, let's rewind this just a little bit. Who's Aaron? Help me out. Huh? Aaron. He, he's related to Moses, isn't he? Yeah, his brother. And uh, he, he's his spokesman. And this goes back to the burning bush. And so uh, when, when Moses said, well, I, you know, I can't speak like I should. And he said, well, Aaron can talk. I'll let him help you. And they have been, Aaron has been with Moses every step of the way. Every time they went to see Pharaoh, Every time they demanded, let my people go, it's Aaron that's saying what Moses said God said to say. 
And Aaron has seen all the signs, all the wonders. Aaron was right there when the Red Sea split and, and then closed back on the Egyptians. Aaron has seen all of these things. He's seen the glory cloud come down. He was right there when they just had this meal uh, six weeks ago on the mount and saw the fire and saw the figure of God sitting on the throne, saw the pavilion in front. He has experienced much of this glory and power of Jehovah God that Moses had. And yet, without Moses there to keep the ship going straight, in less than two months, they go off the rails. Can you see this class? You cannot overestimate the importance and significance of strong, godly leaders. You cannot. People like to think, well, everything would just go the same without them. Mm, you see over and over again that when you pull them out, other folks go crazy. They just go nuts. You would, not, you, you would not think this about Aaron. And yet, when all these people come pushing up and go, you know, it's been uh, 40 days, 40 days, and not a word, not a word. He's gone. You know he's gone. We don't know what happened to him. But, but we need new gods, Aaron, and you've got to do something about this. And he says, okay, let's get some jewelry. Let's get some gold. And then it says that he, they, they brought him all the, uh, the, the earrings and he received them. Verse 4, and fashioned it with a graving tool after he made it a molten calf. And he said, these are your gods, O Israel. Oh, you've got to be crazy now. Huh? What? What? Notice how they ran off the rails without Moses there. Keeping it all steady. Keeping it all together. If Moses had been there, this wouldn't have happened. Right? This doesn't happen with Moses there. Aaron would never have dreamed of doing such a thing with Moses there. They wouldn't have thought they could have got away with it with Moses there. <laughs> he says, these are your gods, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. They're giving the glory for all the miracles and signs and wonders that God has done for them to two lifeless statues. It's bizarre. It's ridiculous, right? It is utter stupidity. And yet, that's what they did in less than six weeks after Moses. And, and what's Moses doing? He's not on vacation. Is that right? What's he doing? What's the last thing they told him? Oh, we can't hear that voice again. You go and you find out what we need to do and then you come back and tell us and we will do it. That's what he's doing. He's getting exactly what God's telling him to tell them. It's what everybody's going to, how they're going to live, what they're going to do. Said out loud, Lord, help us to never do this but to stay steady and to stay faithful and to always 
trust you. Praise God. Our time's up again today. Come back tomorrow. There's a lot more to see here in Faith School. I've got the victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.